and welcome to the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club podcast. I am your host, Mr. Richard Dawson, and I have been delivered an early Christmas present this year. Because firstly, I am joined by club vice president and all-round nice guy, Mr. John McDonald. And whilst the team has its very own IPJ, Ivan Pace Jr., the club has its very own TPJ. He is Vikings aficionado, club member, and the co-host of the UK Scholars podcast, Mr. Tom Parry Jones. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello and evening. Hello. And the man that some people call silent but deadly. We are also joined by Mr. Reese Field, who is our man behind the glass and show producer. Say hello, Reese. Hello. Right, lots to unravel on today's show, including a recap of the weekend's game against the Bengals. We want to know who everyone's player of the game was and how the live event in London went. We'll also be asking, has the defence been burnt out or has it been figured out? A question I'm sure that is on everyone's lips. And lastly, we will be looking at next week's game against the Lions. A game that neither of us can afford to lose. But before we get into all that, I think it's only right that we have a quick Q&A with our guest host for tonight, Mr. Tom Parry-Jones. And we are delighted to be joined by co-host of the UK Scholars podcast and club friend and member, Tom Parry-Jones, TPJ. Tom, we've got a little ritual now of asking people on the show a few questions and always starting off with, why the Vikings? Honestly, as with the case with so many other people, it's Madden. Uh, the first ever Madden I got was Madden 08, which was um, for the 2007 season, Adrian Peterson's rookie year and Sidney Rice's rookie year. And if you remember Madden that far back, there was a mode called Superstar Mode where you would pick a rookie or you could create yourself as a player. But I played as a rookie and take them throughout their career. And uh, me being the uh, the sort of guy who doesn't like a, a particular challenge, I went for uh, the best rookie in the game. And that was uh, a certain running back by the name of Adrian Peterson. He, at the time, played for the Minnesota Vikings. And I thought I might as well support them in real life. So um, here we are. 16 years later and um and now i'm on a podcast with you lovely people yeah 16 years of heartbreak and hardship but uh it's uh it's an exciting weekend every weekend at least um yeah i i never got into madden so you're opening all whole new world for me i promised myself an xbox at some point to pick it up and start playing but uh uh, I'm sure that I'll meet some of the fan club members on there because I know you guys have all got gamer tags and all that sort of stuff. I am not down with the kids, but I'd love to give you a game at some point. Second question, Tom, who is your favourite Vikings player? Well, currently, I think I'd have to go with Harrison Smith. I, I've i met him in person maybe three or four times now, and he's always been an absolute gent. And on top of that, he's a hell of a football player. Like He's probably the best and most consistent player on our defense. Like even, even though he's probably heading towards the twilight of his career now and Daniil Hunter is uh, challenging him for best player on the current defense, I'd say he's still a, a cornerstone. He's the only one of um, that triumvirate of um, of Smith, Kendricks and Barr who um, is remaining now. Well, Anthony Barr's on the practice squad. Um, he left and came back. But yeah, I'd go with Harrison Smith as my, as my favorite current player. Although... As I said, Adrian Peterson is the reason I'm a Vikings fan. So in terms of all-time favorite players, I'd go with, I'd go with AP. I've even got a, um, a watercolor painting of Adrian Peterson that a, a guy from Minnesota did for me uh, at the end of last season. So, uh, yeah, Peterson, he was my first jersey, my favorite all-time Viking. 
tough to get a, a painting of Adrian Peterson in any other style than watercolour because he was so blurry most of the time with the pace he managed to run down the field. And what can you say about Harrison Smith apart from the guy's an absolute legend? Yeah, really scary bloke, so I wouldn't say anything to his face. But I do remember a story of Kirk saying he used to melt cheese in the microwave before a game. A bit peculiar, but uh, each to their own. Anyway, on to the next question. We do like our members of the fan club and we do like the fact that we've got so many these days and we can all interact with each other. But uh, Tom, what's your reason for being part of our beautiful community? I think it's just a, a focal point for for Vikes fandom in the UK. I mean, it's it's wonderful that that so many of us exist, but to to be a Viking in isolation is such a difficult experience. You need to you need misery loves company um, is probably where I would go with this. And and honestly, just the fact that so many of the other members are are wonderful, wonderful people it kind of has to make up for the fact that we support a team that is cursed to never succeed at anything. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's the access we get. We get, you know, the, the team organizing these meetups for us. They were so generous with us when we went over there uh, for, for the trip a few weeks ago, you know, getting us on the field after the game. I can't think of many NFL teams that would do that for a, for a fan base, not in the United States. Yeah, totally echo those sentiments. It's, uh, I mean, never say never. One day, one day we will get one of those rings and one day we'll make it to the big game. But uh, it's it's been a lowly existence um, for the past, uh, well, since the 60s, really, let's face facts. And uh, one day, like I say, one day we'll, we'll get there. Tom, thank you very much for answering our questions. But speaking of lowly existences, it is now time to review last weekend's game against the Bengals. So, Vikings versus Bengals. I'm sure we all watched the game at the weekend. And I'm sure we all started the game very, very happy and then ended the game in floods of tears just before Christmas. Exactly what we wanted. A really bad present, like we'd all been on the naughty list. So, what we want to do is just go into a quick recap of the game. My opinion was that uh, we started brightly. I had said last week that every time that Nick Mullins takes a snap, he looks like he is the most terrified person in the world. I don't think that changed this week. Um, every time he took a snap, he does that weird breathing thing in the huddle that really makes everyone at ease, which I don't think it does. And uh, then goes up to the snap, looks absolutely terrified, and then makes us terrified in true Vikings fashion, whereas he can seemingly pull a play out of nowhere, making some terrible decisions, or he hands the ball off to Ty Chandler and we make loads of yards. And I didn't really know what to make of the game. I didn't know whether we had hit gold with Mullins, um, getting Jordan Anderson back into the game, which was really nice to see. And then those two turnovers before the half, I think was just the most disappointing thing that has happened to us this season. I think we've 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 endured some really bad things in Kirk going down and uh, not seeing Madison, you know, get up to the running game that I think he can achieve eventually, but he's not been great this year. It, it was a real gut punch those two turnovers and eventually what happened in the game. But uh, Tom, I know you were watching from your vantage point at the live watch party in London. What did you think of the game? Uh, I honestly thought that the first three quarters were, were a really good performance. Um, the, the defense continued to, to shut the Bengals out as they have done for most of the, uh, the previous three games. What was it? One touchdown in the previous three games before, uh, before Saturday. And then of course they, conceded three touchdowns in the space of a quarter, which is not ideal. 
Yeah, I think I saw a stat saying that we have got the the best defense over the first three quarters in the NFL and then the 31st ranked defense in the NFL over the uh, last quarter in overtime, which was just, I just don't understand how it all fell apart, especially when the Bengals lost the main guy in Jamar Chase and uh, there was only one receiver to cover, which uh, was, was really painful, really, because you'd think that our backfield would just be able to uh, to sort that out. But, John, uh, I know you were at the watch party too. How did you see it through your eyes? Again, the first three quarters were absolutely amazing. But by the end of it, I think our defence had been pushing so hard. They were just running on fumes by the end of it. And unfortunately, it, it led to the loss. I think they'd been hitting it so hard for the last couple of weeks. They just had nothing left to give. I completely agree with you, John. I think the uh, defence did look burnt out by the end of the game. Um, we do have to blame someone, or we can blame someone. And we can look at, was it Nick Mullins' two turnovers in the first half? Was it the defence that just fell apart in the third quarter? Or was it the fact that we elected to put a child behind our quarterback and try and make one yard twice in a row in overtime? <laughs> Tom, what was your opinion? If you were going to pin the blame on someone, I know we don't like to do it, but if you're going to pin the blame on someone, I'm going to ask you anyway. Who you, who's your blame going to? Uh, I'd probably go with um, bad play calling with the uh, with the two tush pushes in a row in um, in the fourth quarter. Um, we did actually do two tush pushes in the first drive, and they were both successful. But uh, when you have the wrong personnel trying to come up with a single yard, it's not going to get you very far. Like they can see it coming; they know what our what our goal is at that at that stage of the game all we need is a yard and all they have to do is stuff the box it's it's bad play calling bad bad personnel choices um i i wouldn't go so far as to say um in as some people have that kevin o'connell is out of his depth i i still think that kevin o'connell is our head coach for the next three four five years in you know that's what i'd like to see but yeah that that was bad play calling and bad and bad um personnel choices at the end there yeah i'm just gonna come in on that with the uh the tush push of course i did see one thing that made me laugh which was rather than having powell behind there get hunter behind there and rather than push to get him to pick up nick mullins and throw him over the top um but tom who would you have i mean there's so many different options but surely cj ham needed to be more of a factor in the game yeah cj ham for sure like there was a goal line situation where i thought you know hand it off to ham um and he could have walked it in for a touchdown Certainly in those tush-push situations, you want your, your big guys, your blocking backs. I'd even get a tight end in there. Get two two fullbacks in CJ Ham and another and a tight end such as Johnny Munt, our favorite uh, blocking tight end, and use sheer mass to push you over the line. If you've got Brandon Powell in there, who weighs about 180 pounds, he's not going to get the same leverage as as a guy whose job it is to move men around the field like a Johnny Munt or a Josh Oliver. Yeah, I totally agree. And do you know what's really disappointing is that we're now talking about Powell in a really disparaging way when actually he's come in, when JJ's been out, he's come in and actually he's done a really sterling job. Um, You know, KJ's not been up to scratch this season. Addison's been fantastic, but he's just a rookie. And I think Powell really has come in and done a job. And now we're talking about him, you know, weighing like a child and can't push a quarterback over the line. One thing that I was really disappointed (laughs) with is that in no way did we try and disguise what we were trying to do. 
Powell took two snaps in that mm. entire game, and both of them were to stand directly behind the quarterback and basically tell the Bengals that he was going to try and push the quarterback over the line. If you're going to do that, why don't you just snap it direct to a tight end? See if we can get a big guy over the line, make a big jump, do something. And the mo- other most disappointing thing is that we've got Ty Chandler stood there on his own, who's just ran for 132 yards. And we've got two opportunities to make one yard and neither of the time did he see the ball, which I just think is incredulous, really. But, John, what did you think of the the, the situation? Who are you going to pin the blame on? Again, I'd say it, the game changed with the tush-push. I think that it's clear that we got the yardage on the first tush-push. I think the referees made a clear mistake by spotting the ball in the wrong place, but that's not something we should be blaming it on. But we should have easily got the second one as well. What, why have a... Why have a player like CJ Ham in the backfield if you're not going to use him correctly? He's built for, he's built to do stuff like that. So that's my that's my thoughts on it. Anyway, very controversial calling out officials. You can't do that these days, mate. You'll get banned and a fine. But um, yeah, I think it's it's. I think we're all in agreement, really. I think um, it's the easy way to blame what happened against the Bengals to to pick out those two plays because they were so avoidable. But and it's difficult to say as well because Nick, I thought Nick Mullins actually played a fairly decent game um, in terms of his stats. Like I say, he's terrifying to watch, which is the, probably the most Vikings thing I've ever seen is is him playing quarterback. But um, he did put up good numbers. I think the two interceptions and the two turnovers in the first half were, you know, it's easy to forget about them when you see two ridiculous play calls in the in overtime like like we've seen um and uh, I, I think it's really difficult to blame the defense like i say um incredible for the first three quarters horrible for the last quarter and overtime but at the end of the day what they've done this season and where they've come from with the personnel that we've got you know i think it's um it's something that we need to be looking at uh, at other areas of the squad and the team and the coaches i know reese you mentioned something about kevin o'connell the guy's won 20 games in two seasons and the second season is not even over yet. So for people to be calling out, calling out his name and saying, um, saying I wouldn't that, say I called him out. I just say he was uh, definitely I said to you before that he definitely went with the wrong personnel for that. I mean, this game I put on the quarterback, he threw two interceptions when we were in field goal range, six points would have made all the difference. There would have been no overtime. I agree. I agree. And I think as well, you get six points in those situations, or if you get even get a touchdown and, and, and more than six points in those situations, the whole game changes. You know, I don't think we even, we don't see a Bengals in the second half ready to play like they did, ready to, to attack us like they did. But, uh, but John, again, um, at the game in London, how was the atmosphere? How did it pan out? What was the situation like? Oh, the, the, the meetup in London was absolutely amazing. The Vikings came, came over and, Put on an absolute display for us. They brought over cheerleaders and Sydney Rice, and there was uh, t-shirts and bags for people, and just the whole atmosphere. And just to sit there and watch it with fellow Vikings fans, singing along and cheering along together, it was brilliant. Yeah, I noticed that you guys got cheerleaders at the uh, at the meetup in Manchester earlier. Maybe they don't trust us Northerners like they do with you guys down south. Your one was a home game, wasn't it? It was a home cheerleaders game. Cheerleaders won't. 
Yes, cheerleaders don't go to away games. We were away against the Bengals, so they were available. That's why the drum uh, was available. Okay, so I won't put it down to our northern attitude then. Um, that's uh, <laughs> we'll scratch that off the card. But uh, Tom, did you enjoy yourself at live meetup? Nice to stand shoulder to shoulder with your Vikings brother and sisters watching the game. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it was great to catch up with um, some of the people who we went on the trip to Minneapolis with. It was great to uh, meet up with some people who I haven't who I haven't seen in quite a while, and just to have that atmosphere in in um, the heart of London, and with Vikings front office people, cheerleaders. We got to um, say a, a hello to uh, Alyssa and Sunji from uh, from the MVC, um, and of course Sydney Rice. What a legend! Um, you know, he was on the team when um, when I first really started supporting the Vikings, and uh, you know he he came into the in, into the team in the same draft as Adrian Peterson. Like that's um, that's how much of a a totem he's been to my Vikings fandom. So to to meet him, get his signature on uh, one of the T-shirts that they provided for us, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I'm uh, very jealous. Not jealous, but yes, very jealous that I didn't manage to make it down to London this time and meet meet Sydney Rice. I think Peterson was such a such an iconic figure in in folklore of the Vikings that it is easy to look past uh, and look over some of the other drafts, uh, some of the other picks in that draft. But um, you know, if you go back and have a look at receivers that have been exceptional for the Vikings in the past, Sydney Rice he, he lands in that bracket. So. Um, you know, managing to meet the guy. And uh, by all accounts, he was uh, extremely friendly. Uh, I, I said last week that uh, that Reed was a, uh, a friend of the club. It'd be nice to say that Sydney was now as well. Um, but John, you rate your experience. How did it go down? Did you enjoy meeting Sydney? Absolutely. First of all, I do have to give a shout out to Keisha, who's, who's organised absolutely everything for the Vikings end of stuff. She's been so supportive of of the club and everyone over here. And I just want to say a massive thank you out to her for everything she does for this club. And but yeah, meeting Sydney and everything like that, he had more than enough time for it. Everyone in the, in there, they got photos, signatures, and he, he was just sitting, sitting with us drinking beer and watching the game. It was brilliant. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's an odd feeling when you're turning around and high-fiving ex-Vikings legends, when you scored a touchdown, it's uh yeah, it's a, a bit crazy, really. It's a very special little fan club that we are part of um, and a very, very special little times that we're a, a, available to be a, a, a participant in. And, and Keisha, yeah, I'd echo your thoughts there, John. Um, she's She's been incredible. Apart from the fact that she is the coolest person that you'll ever meet in your entire life. Um, yeah, she's exceptional organising these events and, uh, and and thank you for, for getting the club involved and thank you for getting us involved. But uh, back to the Bengals game. If you were going to give it a one-word recap, Tom, what would your one-word be? Gosh, what a question. Um, one-word. Um, do-over? We don't get do-overs, mate. <laughs> that's not uh, that's not on the on the list, unfortunately. I think we'd like to, to see some of those snaps and plays again, but uh, we're not going to get the game again. John, what's your one-word review? Typical. The uh, the most the best executed word of the word typical I've ever heard in my entire life from John. Uh, you can tell he's been a Vikings fan for a while. Reese, I'm going to bring you in as well. Come on, give you one-word review. Oh, that's a good question. Ah, I was expecting you to throw to me here. Um... I'm going with two words. I'm going to break the rules like Groundhog Day. Running the same thing like over and over again, expecting different results. You know, finally, you know, insanity. 
because that is the definition of insanity. Try and do the same thing over and over again, expect different results. If we can do two words, I'd like to go with missed, missed opportunities. Two guys breaking the rules this week, which is uh, not acceptable. Richie managed to bring it back there into one word. Um, <laughs> you can't stand behind the glass and then break the rules. But uh, Tom, yeah, I'll, I'll allow you two words as being a very special guest of the show. For me, it, frustration is just the overriding and overwhelming emotion coming out of that game because when Kirk went down, I think we all pretty much accepted the fact that this season was just going to be a bit of a ride out. Some people were calling for us to tank. Uh, I hate the word and I hate the the, the phrase tanking. I, I can't believe you would ever want to go into a game and not be competitive. And to get to this end of the season and be a, a Panthers fan must be just soul destroying. But uh, for us, we were playing with house money, if you like, and um, we've been all right. And there has been a bit of hope. And uh, to go into a game against a good Bengals team, fair enough, Burrowless, but a good Bengals team, and nearly come away with a pretty cemented spot in the playoffs. And for it to end like that, that is just the ultimate frustration for me. But uh, we go again. We go again, and there'll be always next week, and uh, we always lift ourselves up, as we do as Vikings fans. We, we're fairly used to it now. Anyway, pulling it back round, what player really stood out for you, Tom, at the weekend? Uh, well, I know we've we've ragged on him a little bit, but I, I think my star player was, was Nick Mullins. I think there was plenty to be positive about from his play. I mean, obviously, you can point at the um, the interception when he was trying to force it into the end zone, and the interception when he was trying to throw it away while he was getting sacked two bad decisions i will that we can make no bones about that but overall he threw only seven incompletions two of those being the picks um and on a record of 26 for 33 he threw 303 yards for two touchdowns and a passer rating of 99.9 which was the best of any passer on the field all day so going into the games against uh detroit and green bay to finish the season Two against Detroit, one against Green Bay. I, I think Nick Mullins is the quarterback to to see us through to the end of the season. I know we said that about Josh Dobbs, but I think Nick Mullins is the guy. And I look forward to seeing Jaron Hall start in week 17. Yeah, he's. Uh, if we're going to give Dobbs a nickname of the astronaut, for me, Nick Mullins is Mr. Heart Attack. Because like I say, every time he touches the ball, I have a heart attack. He has a heart attack. I'm sure the coaches have a heart attack. All the fans in the stadium have heart attack. That touchdown to Addison, and we all know which one I mean, was either the most precise pass anyone has ever thrown in their entire life or a total fluke. And I still can't work out which one it was. John, who was your player of the game? My player of the game was Addison. Absolutely smashed it yet again. He's really come on, come along really far this year. And I say that that catch, which was either a really precise throw for Mullins or an absolute amazing play from Addison, running it, walking it into the end zone. He by the end of it, he was absolutely he absolutely smashed it all day. I think. I'd like to say about Addison, I think he really needs Justin Jefferson to be on the field for him to really produce. Um, as a rookie, it's so difficult to be a wide receiver in the NFL, especially when you like when there's no one else to support you. Um, and when you've got a guy like Justin Jefferson to take the attention away, you're going to get some big performances like jo uh, Jordan Addison came up with uh, on Saturday and did and has done earlier in the season. And we saw how he struggled 
while JJ was injured. Yeah, I think Addison was almost nailed on for Rookie of the Year through weeks one to six, the the way he was performing. Um, Ivan Pace Jr., my guy, Ivan Pace Jr., my best mate. Um, I think he is uh, definitely giving him a run for his money. Mackay Blackman, I'm sure, John, you would agree, you would argue that he should be included uh, within those conversations. But um, whilst you're going to talk about Nick Mullins and you're going to talk about Jordan Addison, um, I find it incredible that neither of you have mentioned a man who has been sitting on the sidelines for over a season, overlooked in Ty Chandler. I mean, even in Cook's last season, where he rushed for over a thousand, and we thought, yes, he is averaging back one. Should we take him into next year? Is he going to be more expensive than what we can afford? I still thought that Cook had a fairly disappointing season that season. Um, I thought I thought he could have been better, even though the 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 um, the, the numbers that he put up was good. But we had Ty Chandler just sat there doing nothing, and then this guy comes in at the weekend, and he takes. 23 carries for 132 yards, averages 5.7 carries, uh, 5.7 yards a carry, one touchdown. Our first, correct me if I'm wrong, Reese, keep me honest. Our first running touchdown this season? No, we've had a we've had a couple, but not nowhere near enough. Uh, it was our first opening drive touchdown this season, I believe. There we go. I mean, he just he looked on fire, and um, some of the stuff that I'd I'd read as well that he was wasn't uh, a good enough to be a pass blocker when he wasn't receiving the ball. Well, actually, he got a better pass blocker rating than Madison has all season in the game at the weekend. Um, in fact, I think he had a, a, as good a uh, pass block rating than uh, some of our offensive line this weekend, which um, is just incredible, really. I thought he had an absolute storming game. And uh, if we're going to see the back of the pastronaut, I'd love to see more of the rocket man in Ty Chandler because I just think he's a great player um, and, and something that, has been a shining light from the weekend, but uh, but there we go. Reese, I'll bring you in as well. Well, as you've all gone and picked up the uh, the offensive players as your players at game, I feel it's only fair to bring up the uh, defensive side of the ball. Daniel Hunter again yes, stood out above all on that defensive side of the ball this season. Two sacks, three tackles were lost, two QB hits to add to that as well. He really did bring the heat. He's now, I believe level if not slightly just behind john randall in the uh single season uh rankings of most sacks he's up into the top five all time of viking sacks um and half a sack behind tj watt who we know is an elite pass rusher in the uh overall standings and well i mean we've had a lot of backup quarterbacks this season some have been a bit you know loose with the football but i think if you're a pittsburgh steelers defensive player you're going to see the field a lot more than the vikings defensive player and so Hunter is definitely making the most of his opportunities. Shall we say that? Yeah, it seems to be that if you've got Hunter written on the back of your shirt and a Vikings shirt, then uh, you seem to be a not just a good player, but something that you mentioned in terms of a legend. So, uh, yeah, Demolition Man, he, he's just been completely terrorising offences all season. And uh, he's not really getting the plaudits he deserves, I think. Um, there's all these shows, Good Morning Football, etc., that talk about best defensive player of the week and uh, he, he often gets overlooked which I think has just been incredibly unfair um, considering the performances that he's put in this season so yeah good shout good, good shout Reese. good shout um, I think the uh, the commentators did actually say in the game on the weekend that Hunter should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year um, which I think is fair enough um, and just to chime in on the stat he is now sixth for the vikings all time in terms of sacks 86.5 
behind Chris Dolman, Alan Page, John Randall, Jim Marshall, and Carl Eller. There you go. So while Santa doesn't come till next week, we saw lots of sacks at the weekend, which is what we like. Um, he is now getting talked about by uh, very good defensive players on the commentary um, in Good Morning Football's Jason McCourty. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, surprised us this season, but also not surprised us this season because he's an exceptional player. So good roundup of the Bengals game. Really not what we wanted, unfortunately, but it's what we've been left with. Um, but it is going to be good to review the Lions game next week. Uh, but what we want to do first is just check on that defence. Uh, Flores has done an exceptional job this year, but really we're going to ask the question, have they been found out or have they been burnt out? So as we saw last season, uh, Ed Donatel managed to rank our defence as 31st in the NFL. We still managed to make the playoffs. I think that was uh, uh, all down to our offence and Kirk Cousins. This year, it's been a bit of a switcheroo. The defence has been absolutely incredible. Brian Flores has been uh, a revelation. And uh, we've seen a team that is incredibly difficult to read, um, has blitzed more often than not and has really kept offences to uh, a small scoring margin. But, uh, I mean, I could hammer on about Ivan Pace Jr. all day because uh, I just think he's absolutely fantastic. But, Tom, we're asking the question, are we burnt out or have we been found out? I'm going to say burnt out. I, I think that it, the, there were chances on Saturday. There were so many chances as well. Um, there was one where... I think it was Jamar Chase caught a huge pass down the sideline, but it, I think it was, it must have been Harrison Smith who was like a split second away from getting a sack. Um, and I think those split seconds come with having to, having had to put in so much effort over the last few weeks. Um, and it is a game of such fine margins that I don't think a team goes from conceding one touchdown in three games to conceding three in a quarter because of being found out i think that is just that's just fatigue um and i think that could also apply to uh what i saw from ivan pace jr uh for the uh rushing touchdown the bengals scored because he missed that tackle that they ended up plowing into the end zone and i love ivan pace almost as not well no not nowhere near as much as rich does but um i do love ivan pace and um i think that's more to do with him being tired perhaps than not being a very good linebacker yeah i'm going to forgive him a little bit because i saw that play i thought he needed a double team on that play i think he he sort of hit the first tackle but didn't get enough on him and if uh, a safety steps up and helps him out then we we stop that touchdown but uh john i'm gonna ask you the same question fatigue or found out I get again. I think it's fatigue. Uh, you saw it by the end, but in that fourth quarter, that they were they were just struggling to make the tackles. By the end of it, they were struggling to put the put the Bengals down. You don't you don't go from conceding one touchdown in three quarter uh, three games to conceding three in a quarter, three in one quarter. It's just not done. It the the team would the defense is just burnt out. You saw them struggling to finish their tackles by the end of the game. And that was what eventually led to the defeat, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, um, it, it's a bit stop it to say, but I think it was sad to see. I felt really sorry for those defensive players on the ground, on, on, on the field. They'd just seen too many minutes and uh, not just this game, the week previous, the week previous, the week previous, and the week previous to that. It's just been 
they've been too reliant, I think, on uh, on a defense that has been fair enough, have been exceptional. And um, if you stretch out that exceptional play over a few less minutes, then uh, then we play better. And I think if we have uh, Ty Chandler taking a few, a few more runs and running down the game clock and a bit more better game management and a bit bit better play calling potentially on the offense, then maybe we don't see as many minutes on defense. I mean, if Kirk had been in the game, that that had been especially true. Um, I don't think we can we can completely say that the offense didn't try to keep the defense off the field. At the end of the day, we're just playing a guy that's had uh, a, a few games on on the touchline and um, taken over from Josh Dobbs. So, yeah, it's it, like I say, it was it was sad to see really that. Um, a defense that has been so lauded over the for the past few games uh, managed to give up those touchdowns in in the last quarter and and in overtime. But uh, I'm, I'm the same as you two guys. Fatigue over found out for me. Um, I don't think a man in Brian Flores would would not see that the biggest the biggest threat on the Bengals offense in Higgins when Chase left the game. He's not going to call plays where that guy doesn't get covered and uh, that just seemed to be what happened in the fourth quarter and I don't think it's the defense's fault I think they were just tired you know get them off the field get the offense on grind the game out and I think that's what you know an experienced uh, quarterback does he grinds you the game out but uh, but yeah good answers gentlemen Reese, I'm going to bring you in for one last view on this one are we found out are we fatigued completely burnt out completely burnt out at the end of that game um, yeah, this this defense. Just look at the Raiders game. Yeah, they pitched a shutout against a team that went and put up how many points against the Chargers? I mean, they put so many points up. They 63? got two. Yeah, they got two men fired. That's how potent that offense can be on its day. Um, to try and hold that back, you could see they were burnt out, and it was a short week as well. One less day rest. It's not ideal when you haven't played that much football, and it showed. So then, next game versus the Lions, divisional leaders, and a team that looked to have turned themselves round. A uh, bit, a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Um, we saw a really great game against the Broncos at the weekend. Well, from the Lions' point of view, we saw a great game against the Broncos. From our point of view, we saw a terrible game against the Broncos. We previous to that, they were very indifferent against the Bears. Um, how do you think we're going to perform this weekend, John? Hard to tell which team's going to turn up this week with the, for the Vikings. It's as we say, with the defi- defense looked really burnt out this week, but we get the extra days rest. But the way the Lions are playing at the moment, I hate to say it, I've got to, I've got to go with the Lions. I'm sorry, Lions by two points. You pessimistic Percy, I'll have none of that. Tom, you're going to surely say there are Vikings victory on the horizon. Oh yeah, now I think home field advantage will come into its uh, into its own this weekend. Um, let's not forget the Vikings have the sixth best rushing defense in the league uh, at the minute, and uh, the Lions have one of the best rushers in the league in uh, Jameer Gibbs. He had picked up quite a lot of fantasy points for me uh, this weekend. It wasn't enough to win my my matchup, but uh, nevertheless, um, if the Vikings rush defense does what it's been doing all season. Uh, they will bottle up a, a player who's been very potent for the Lions. And I think if we can score points, which we proved we can against the Bengals, we should win this one. I'm going to go Vikes by three. Slim margins, slim margins. Yeah, they've got a good one-two punch in Gibbs and Montgomery. 
Uh, I think Montgomery had something to prove this season and he certainly proved it to most of us. Barring the, in, in, the injury that he managed to get, I think he'd be uh, in the conversation for, uh, you know, taking over as their RB1, which has been phenomenal, really. Uh, Reese, what are you going to say? It's home field advantage. I think there's going to be something in the pre-game speech about do you really want the Lions to take your championship on your home turf? I think that'll be enough to G up the team. Um, but I feel like it's going to be Vikings by six, but only after a very nervy Hail Mary attempt at the end of the game, batted down by Josh Metellus. It would not be a Vikings game if it wasn't nervy, mate. That's just what we are used to now. Sponsored by Defibrillator. I hope everyone's got one in the living room. I am going to go Vikings win this week. Exactly the reason that you said, Reese. we cannot let the Lions have the best season of their lifetimes ending at the bank with all smiles on their faces. I just will not allow it to happen. Um, I think that we are going to win. I don't think we're going to win convincingly. I think Mullins has had his practice game now and got that out of the way. So I think he's going to come back to the bank and play really, really well. I'm going to go Vikings by a score. And don't forget, it is Christmas Eve, the game, the day of the game, and the Vikings even though it's a home game, we'll be wearing all white as part of the winter whiteout uh, promotion sort of thing. Uh, so I expect everyone who's listening to this to be wearing white as well on Christmas Eve. Bringing out the old feeling jersey for this game, exactly. Yeah, point well made, Tom. If we all get our white stuff on, we will find the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club on social media. We want to see pictures of you in your whiteout uniforms for the game. Find us on Twitter, find us on X, whatever you want to call it these days. Find us on Facebook and find us on Instagram. That is the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club. I suppose, Tom, uh, I've got to ask you whilst you're here. Uh, one of my favourite memories of going on the Minnesota Vikings trip was a big bear hug from you in the airport before we left. But what was your favourite memory of the trip? Oh, uh, you, you've already mentioned it. Getting to hug the, the famous Richard Dawson. Um, no, I... I mean, that was a, a wonderful memory, but um, just having, because I went to Minneapolis last year, I, that was my first experience of the city that we that we have made our second home. Um, I was there for the Packers game in week one, and um, that was wonderful. I met, I met some great people while I was there that first time, but to be able to go over with people with whom I, I share such kinship, you know, I, we, we share this experience. We're not, we are Vikings fans. We are as fervent Vikings fans as anyone over there, but we are not them. We are Vikings fans from the UK and that sets us apart. And to be able to share, like not in any special way, like we are, we are just different from Minnesota based Vikes fans. So for us to be able to go over there, um, all mass, with nearly 40 of us all sat pretty much together in the stadium cheering on our team. I'm, I'm getting a bit emotional just thinking about it, I, but especially cause we um, lost that game, but it was, yeah, just being there with, with all of you wonderful people um, and meeting up in the airport, arriving in Minneapolis, getting to the hotel, going and watching sport, of various descriptions. We went to the T-Wolves. We went to the, the Gophers on the Saturday. We went on the stadium tour. We went to the Vikes game. And just, yeah, four wonderful days of memories I'll never forget. And I'm rambling now. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. 
Well, that was very kind of you to say, mate. I would agree with the sentiment of getting emotional by getting beat by Justin Fields. Yeah, it certainly hit me in the fields did that as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, great time had by all. Great time. Great, great memories made. Real kinship, as you say. I think uh, we've got a, a special group of people in our fan club. And uh, it's nice to remember that um, we're all part of one big family and we'll all help and support each other. So, yeah, great to hear. I think one thing that we do have to do uh, before we leave today is to wish our other co-host a very happy birthday. He's been uh, very quiet about it today, which I find unacceptable. But uh, if you'd like to join me in wishing John happy birthday today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, John McDonald. Happy birthday to you. That was absolutely beautiful, mate. Nearly brought me to tears. <laughs> we are we are going to wrap it up there happy birthday to john hopefully santa brings you a, a nice gift at the weekend wrapped up in a vikings victory against the lions uh it's been very fun talking about the vikings as it is every week uh reese thank you from your glass thrown in the corner there thank you very much uh tom thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure having you on the show and john again happy birthday and thanks for joining us everyone say a nice thank you and farewell to the fans thank you and farewell to the fans Thank you and farewell to the fans. Thank you and farewell to the fans. There we go. Could have done it in harmony, guys. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. We'll see you again next week. Even though it is Christmas, we are going to try and squeeze another show in. So uh, let's see what we get up to over the Christmas period. And we'll see you next time. Cheers to Rath. <laughs>